Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. The tradition of blessing is a big deal in the Bible. In fact, if you notice, it is almost the very first thing that God does. When we show up on the scene, it is blessing that he speaks over us. Uh, And before we have shown up on the scene, four times in the creation narrative, God, having created a wonder that day, steps back, if you will, and says, oh, this is good. That's blessing. It's not a value judgment of worth or um, uh, uh, those, those kinds of dynamics. It's not good, for example, as opposed to bad. It's a term of function. Um, this works. So he is, in each of those blessings, releasing the creation of that day with capacity for that for which it was created. Does that make sense? So blessing, and I'm going to use this phrase over and over again because I want you to think about it. Blessing is the release with capacity and goodwill. Blessing is, the re- is, is to release that which is blessed with capacity for that which you are blessing it, right? And with goodwill uh, it, that is, is not just a, a cutting off and sending out. It is a, it is a, a leaning in. And so, uh, if you do have your Bibles, all joking aside, uh, you see this uh, clearly in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, um, uh, because I want to suggest that while we talk about the Father's blessing, I'd like you also have in mind uh, those of, of, of us who are children, which pretty much is everybody. What might it look like for you to bless your Father on this day? It is wonderful for us to receive a father's blessing. But I'm wondering if there are some dads, even here today, who just long to receive their children's blessing, who just long to receive the gift of their own life, if you will, released with capacity uh, from their children, uh, and particularly from their adult children. So we're going to create some space for that a little bit later on, but Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 The text says this, you know this, we've used this text over and over again. Let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they can rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, livestock, all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move on the ground. So God created humankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And listen now to the very first words that God speaks to us who are his image. God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, birds of the sky, over every living creature that moves on the earth. Do you see what God is doing here? He is releasing his creation with capacity to do what he has created us to do. So blessing is at at fundamental levels a, 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 a release 
into capacity. And you see this over and over again, uh, the rhythm of blessing, declaration of goodness, God's first word to humankind. The very next chapter, the beginning of the next chapter, uh, God initially um, blessed the, what we now come to know of as the Sabbath, which was a, a day of rest. He set that aside. He released, if you will, that seventh day from the obligation of duty or work uh, and, and released it to the capacity of rest. In fact, the very sabbatical idea comes from this text of Scripture. It comes from the regular rhythm that God instilled in uh, Israel. Take one year in every seven and, and let the land rest uh, so that, I'll, and I'll take care of you. It, 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 it is sabbatical. Sabbath is a statement of resting in the blessing of the Father. Right. And John Mark talked to us about this here a few months ago, and it's critical that we keep reminding ourselves because we have other voices that are saying to us, if you don't work 24, 7, 365 and a quarter, something's going to go sideways. The wheels are going to come off. The universe is going to collapse. How many of you have heard that lie recently? Right. You won't have enough. You won't be enough. You won't get enough. And God says to us on Sabbath, I'm enough. I'm sufficient for you. I can be trusted with the universe for these 24 hours. The last, 20, the last half hour is probably going to be a little iffy until you get back on the task. I don't think God is thinking that way when we rest. So please notice, he not only blesses us, releasing us with capacity to be his image, leaning into us with goodness, he announces the gift of a whole day, one day in seven, to reinforce his blessing of us and enable us to reconnect with it as, and him as the source of our life for the doing of what he's called us to do, right? And you see this going on uh, throughout the, the, the narrative of scripture. Uh, you see it, for example, uh, in, uh, in Genesis 12, where Abraham, uh, and you, you know the text, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country your people, your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse and all people on earth will be blessed through you. Now there's a little bit of a, of an, a development here, right? You'll notice that Abraham is being asked to leave everything that defined him in the past and everything that was going to define him into the future. Because remember, who you were was who your daddy was. So Abraham is being asked to leave all of the identity markers of the ancient Near Eastern world, your father's home, your land, your country, your people, to what? Rest on the confidence of a blessing. Is God's blessing, is God's word, is God's promise of presence enough? But please notice the second little addition here. We aren't blessed to be blessed any more than we were in Genesis chapter 1. We're not blessed to enjoy the blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed to bless. So this is a, a through line. We are never more like our Father in the heavens than when we echo His voice in our children's lives. We are never more like our Father in heaven than when we echo his voice into the world which he loves and has created. 
when we are the ambassadors and agents of blessing and hope, we are beginning to get a glimpse of what it might look like to be created to be the image of God. Yeah? So blessing is not simply a, oh, isn't that nice? It is a responsibility. It is part of the capacity into which we have been released. When the Father blesses Abram, he blesses us all in Abram. When he blesses you, he blesses the world in you. Um, in fact, this uh, becomes a primary uh, codification as the children of Israel uh, get formed into a nation. And the question is, how do, we, how, do we, how do we frame our understanding of who we are in the passage in Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 through 27, parts of which you will have heard over and over again in various contexts. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, high priest, and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say over them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So in that way, you will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. You see the strategy here? That when, when, when Aaron, when the high priest, when the people of Israel gather and he is acting as it were as the, as the, as the voice of God before the people, these are, this is the language he is to use. This is the mental kind of uh, conception that he is to have. I want, you to, I want you to bless the people. And notice again, just I, I wish I could develop this blessing more fully, but notice how important the face of God is towards his children. All right? Lord, turn his face to, let his face light up his countenance upon them. Bring them to shalom. Bring them to a life that actually works. So the, this is not a, this is not a, a, a wrung out blessing. This is not a, a stingy blessing. This is a full-throated, full-hearted, full-faced blessing. As the father's look on his face when he sees his children Israel is to be one of blessing. Not anger, not disappointment, not resentment, not stinginess. You don't have to talk God into blessing. You don't have to talk God into being good. God is good. So when he turns his face towards you and you see on his face any other look but love and blessing, it's not God's face that you're seeing. It might be the face of God that you've been trained to see by your own dad. It might be the face of God that you've been trained to see by some uh, misunderstandings of religion. It might even actually be the face that you have projected on God because that's what you believe you deserve. The truth when his face is turned towards you, it has a smile, it has a tear, it has a brightness to it when he looks at you. You are his beloved child. He blesses you. Do you see? So, so this trajectory of blessing clearly is echoed into the New Testament, right? 
Um, we, we, when we see Jesus come into the, in, into the picture, we see uh, uh, in, in, in Matthew chapter 3, Luke chapter 3, uh, his baptism, right? In, in, in Mark chapter, chapter 1, his baptism, the, the, the thing that we enter into in obedience to him today. And what does baptism signify? For Jesus, it signified an end and a new beginning. For us, similarly, right? It signifies an end and a new beginning. For Jesus, it signified the end of the Old Testament era, the end of that way of doing business. That's why it was important for him to fulfill all righteousness, if you will. There's a lot of ways of thinking about that. But I think what he was saying to John is, let me do this as a way of ending so that we can enter into a new way of beginning. And I love that Jesus, when he comes out of the waters of baptism, the very first thing he hears from his father is, oh, good. This is so good. You are so good. You are my... Now, please notice, Jesus has not done one thing to earn merit or warrant the blessing of his father except be. Hello. Blessing isn't contingent. It's not reward. It's not payment. It's not if you, then I will. Blessing is rooted in the character of the blesser and declared over the blessee because it's true. So Jesus is the beloved son of the father, not simply by declaration, but in this duet, this resonance of giving and receiving that exists between father and son, right? Uh, and so uh, this, this, this frames for us the understanding uh, when a little bit later on, Jesus is going to begin his first major um, sermon in the Gospel of Matthew, and he begins with a list of those who are blessed. And it's not the usual suspects in uh, Palestinian Judaism. It's the people who are the last, the lost, the losers, the people who are the brokenhearted, those who have been crushed by life, those who have been wrung out and left on the side of the road by life. He said, guys, 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 the exterior condition of your being is not a, a, a contradiction to the fact of your blessing. You get in. You have access to the kingdom. This is the nature of blessing, right? So, so as, we, as we, we call them the Beatitudes, right, which is the, the, the frame. So this tradition, this trajectory of blessing uh, is, is a gift. And, and now, now this is, that part of the sermon is where I felt fairly confident. Here's where I'm going to, the wheels could just completely come off um, in, in this next thing. But I want to talk about the blessings that a father provides to a son and a daughter. The blessings, secondarily, that a son or a daughter provide to a father. Is that all right? So all of that was, I think, the Holy Spirit. This might just be purely me. Um, so we'll go from there. Uh, and the 11 o'clock might be completely different if this thing goes sideways. <laughs> Before I start on this, let me say I am aware of the deep brokenness in which some of you were fathered. I'm aware of that. I'm aware, uh, dads, of how hard you try and still feel that you fail. So this isn't... A, a whip into shape. 
This is an invitation into surrender. Does that make sense? It's the first gift, I think, uh, again, just to frame the definition that I'm working with. To bless your children is to release them with empowerment and with favor. The first and greatest blessing, then, that a father can give his children is to first love Jesus more than he loves them. Second, to love their mother more than he loves them. Why? Because the goal of having children is to get rid of them. <laughs> you have roughly 15 to 18 years to prepare them for adult life without you. They are not a projection of you. They are a gift you have received from the Father. You are a steward of his gift to you. They are not built, they cannot sustain the central focus of the heart of the family. Children cannot and are not built to keep a family together. They can't handle being the center. They're fine if sun and moon are in orbit around one another and are fine. They are good for that. If they're in orbit around that, that frees them to launch without anxiety about the center. So if they know that dad loves mom, if they know that mom loves dad, they're free to play. But if they're anxious about that, they're going to be constantly checking to see if everything's okay. And they will be terrified at 21, 22, 23 to leave home for fear that home disappears. Right? But if, as is often the case, dad says to mom, mom says to dad, I love you. I care about you in ways that the children can see and be frequently embarrassed by. That part's really important. That grab of the butt in the kitchen. Hello, you think that five-year-old, seven-year-old, 15-year-old kid doesn't see that? That says to him, oh, oh, they don't really want me here. But I have an idea how I got here. Right? So as, as you release them, so number one blessing, and, 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 and I've spent more time on that one, because that one probably a little less obvious than the first one, which we kind of, yeah, 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 love Jesus. No, no, Jesus is very clear on this. Your allegiance to him relativizes every other allegiance into hatred. Strong language. It's hyperbolic language, but to make the point. If you don't hate your mother, your father, you're not worthy of me. He's not advocating hatred, but he is saying, in comparison, your allegiance to Jesus is what an actual fact will enable you to be the kind of dad you want to be. So anchor deeply there. Let your kids see you devoted to Jesus. Let them see you as a worshiper. Let them see you as a student of the word. Let the first image of you that they have when they come down for breakfast in the morning is dad on his knees calling out their name before him. I know with the work schedules, I know with the pressure of deadlines, I know, I know how hard that is. I know how hard that is. And, 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 and by the way, it's not an Instagram moment. 
Jesus is very clear on this. This is a private moment. Instagram has replaced the public square. And he would now say to the Pharisees, or say of the Pharisees, they love to Instagram their prayers. Right? But you, when you pray, you go into the family room. This isn't, this isn't an Instagram moment. This is you and me. Right? So when they see that, when they get a sense of that, and when that starts to wick its way out in your treatment and behavior, when they stand beside you in worship and imitate and mimic your raised hands, when they see you moved by the presence of God, that will say more to them than any discipleship training you want to put them through. And in fact, this is meaningless without this. They will become angry, bitter, and resentful if discipling is only memorize, read, learn, and not marked by living. You want to bless your kids? Love Jesus really well. Love your wife more than you love them. Then, as they grow up, pay attention to who they are. The Proverbs that frequently gets misunderstood in this 22.6 says, train up a child in the way that he should go and when he's old he won't depart from it. And what we mean often by that is train up a child in the way that you think he should go. But that's not what that text means. It's an agricultural metaphor. It's from the vineyard. It means become a student of the vine and build a trellis to support the natural growth of the grape. So that when the vine is old and full and weighted down with fruit, it will be adequately supported and it won't break. Please notice, every vine requires a different trellis. So become a student of your son, your daughter. Learn them and bless them by paying attention to who they are. Give up the idea that you can be fair. The parent who tries to be fair is going to screw somebody up. Because you've got, if you, I've, I've only got three, so this is a limited sample. But none of my boys are the same as the other. In fact, they get angry and resentful when I don't notice, except when it's to their favor that they be treated fair. I had a conversation with one of my boys a while ago in which he said, it's just not fair you let so-and-so do X, Y, and Z, and you don't let me do X, Y, and Z. And I said, you're right, it's not fair, because you are not him. He doesn't screw up when I give him this responsibility, and you tend to take the money and run. <laughs> so why do I need to be fair? I know. I know. Pray for my boys. Uh, they may or may not be home for lunch. Uh, well, not sure. And please notice then that your role as a parent, as a dad, shifts as your children grow older. The, the parenting role between zero and five, mostly, it's mostly mom with preschool age kids. And it's, and it's about safety, it's about security, it's about the world being a, a, a place of comfort. And dad's there, clearly, uh, but, but, but in, in, somewhat in the background. Uh, at, between the ages of five and 10, roughly, and this is very, very generic, but between the ages of five and 10, the goal is adventure. The goal is exploration. The goal is fail fast, fail often, recover. 
right? Fall out of the tree. You won't die. It'll be all right. Fall off your bike. Good on. Pick up. Let's go. Yes, you're going to bleed. That's going to leave a mark. All right, let's do this, right? So there's this tension, right? There's this gift that both mom and dad give. Mom is there, right? Oh, baby, baby, baby. And dad is there. No, get up. Come on. Let's go on. We can do this. Let's take this mountain. That's why both of us are required. In 10 and 15, mom fades into the background a little bit, and dad takes the role to call out the adult life of both son and daughter, to sexually value his daughter without sexualizing her, to call out her femininity, to call out her gift as a woman, to call out the, his son's masculinity and honor that. Here's where it gets freaky. Your daughter is becoming a woman. Your son is becoming a man. And both of those realities are terrifying. That's why you have to love Jesus more than you love them. Because your security, your identity is not anchored in them becoming something. It's anchored in him. So you can partner with him in who they are becoming. You see what I'm after here? So it's, 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 let's all, let, dad should be the first one to date his daughter. If, I, if, if just as a way to frame this, right? Here's what happens, uh, and it happened in our family. Uh, about 12 or 13, all of my boys started to surpass me in, in strength and uh, height. I'm the shortest one in my whole extended family. All of my boys are taller than me by two or three or four or five or six inches. <laughs> my, my big boy is 6'5". And then, and then his older brother, which he loves to dominate over, is 6'2". And then the other one's six and a half, but he stretches it up to 6'2", so that he's not beat by his older brother. Right? And, they, and at about 12 or 13, they all got stronger than me. They got faster than me. I tried to make sure the last time we wrestled, I thumped them thoroughly so that they would have that memory. Not so good. But anyway, do, 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 do you know what I mean? Here's what happens. Dads, if you're threatened by the emerging masculinity of your sons, you won't release them with blessing. What happens when my little girl comes down for breakfast and she's got lumps and bumps she didn't have yesterday? Oh, Jesus. My little girl is becoming a woman. Yes, she is, Dad. Call it out with celebration. Don't be threatened by it. Right? Because a lot of women will find somewhere else with people who will do them harm identity that dads are supposed to bless their daughters with. That's a father's blessing. Girl, there is nobody on the planet who is drop dead gorgeous like you today. Believe it because it's true. You with me? So that's, that's uh, uh, one of the blessings. And then, and then between 15 and 20, the goal is to get them out of the house as fast as possible. So what does that mean? Teach them how to change oil. Teach them how to boil an egg. Teach them how to do, make an omelet. Make, make an omelet, right? Teach them how to, how to let them crash and burn with the phone call to the insurance. Let them, do, let, them, let, them, let them learn, right? Same way we often learn through mistakes more than we learn through successes. So walk with them through stuff. My, my, middle, my youngest boy just bought his first car. Uh, he'd been saving up for it for about six months. No, six, uh, for about two and a half years. And, and we walked in, 
and, and that boy negotiated and he signed the contract. I had to co-sign to get the interest rate down to a reasonable level, but that's all right. I don't mind doing that. I'm releasing that boy with blessing. It's his baby, right? So proud of him because he did it. And he's looking over at me all the time. Dad, am I doing this right? Dad, am I doing this right? Dad, am I doing this right? I finally said, boy, you're doing this better than I ever did when I was 23. Really? Yeah. You're way smarter at 23 than I ever was. And then, because he's Peter, he says, I, I knew that. <laughs> By the way, can I just say that disappointment both ways is part of this process. Disappointment is a necessary condition for human parenting. You want your children to disappoint you because it's how they get released into their own life rather than your projection of what their life ought to be. And kids, you want your parents to disappoint you. It's the only way they will finally become human to you. Not just big people, but brothers and sisters who are as broken and fragile and wounded and needy as you are. Bring on the disappointment. It's part of the blessing. With me? Okay, then um, this, this, and then as they get a little bit older and along the way as you can, own, own, Huge blessing, own your own failures. If you mess up, tell them. Apologize. Get good at it, because it will happen often. If you, if you were raised as I was raised, uh, to act first and think later, you will regularly do things for which you are embarrassed, ashamed sometimes. I still have memories that just flash up when I'm under attack. You know what I'm talking about. Things that I've said, things that I've done, right? And, and, and my, my, own, my oldest son, uh, I, I tried so hard to make, to make you know, the perfect, per, recovering perfectionist came out. Uh, here, here's how I did this. He was four, four or five, came, came, came out one Saturday morning. Dad, daddy, 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 I made my bed. Grabbed me by the hand, pulled me into his bedroom, proudly pointed to his bed, and I said, Jan, that's so wonderful. Just this little tweak, and it'll be perfect. And I watched that boy's face fall. You, you see what I mean? Just tiny little things. And I, here I am. I'm 62. That event happened probably 40, 35 years ago. I can still remember it as if it were yesterday. Because I crushed my son's heart. Not on purpose. But I did it anyway. How many of you dads have done a lot of stuff? Not on purpose. But you did it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, get good at saying, oh, man, I'm sorry, boy. I'm sorry, girl. All right? Don't just talk, by the way. Be sorry, not just say sorry. Ooh, that was Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> Final blessing, fathers to sons and daughters, communicate Soon and often, how much you love them. Say those words. Live that reality. Communicate that you are proud of who they are, 
even though you're disappointed perhaps occasionally in what they do. They need to know that perhaps when it comes to discipline that what they have done is not okay, but who they are, that's still okay. Right? And don't punish them, if I can just stick this in, don't punish them with the things that are connected to their being. If your family goes for ice cream on Thursday nights and number two screwed something up at four o'clock on Thursday afternoon, deal with the thing, then go for ice cream. Don't punish him or her by saying no ice cream for you. Ice cream is part of what we do as a family. Did you hear what you just said? Okay, so let grace abound in this. Uh, Let grace abound. Uh, Adult uh, children, this is mostly for adult children blessing their, their, their fathers. Almost every dad I know, including myself, feels that they weren't very good at it. Old dads are haunted by memories, missed opportunities, questions of if only and I should have, I wish. Young dads carry the enormous weight of should and responsibility. I am responsible for who my son or daughter becomes. And the crushing realization that no matter how hard they try, they're going to fail their kids. Yep. Nothing you can do about it. It's part of being a human. If we say, however, that to uh, bless means to release them with power and empowerment, what would happen if children began to rise up and call and bless their fathers, their human fathers? So remember, first, love Jesus and serve him more than you honor and respect your dad. Please notice that this changes the orientation of our relationship. My dad is no longer first my dad. He is now my brother in Christ if he is a disciple, or he is now my brother in Christ who doesn't know it yet if he's not yet a disciple. He's also a child of the Father, according to Paul, according to Jesus, according to God. And he gets to weigh in on this. Right? Then, let him off the hook of perfection. Just set aside the reality that your dad will never be the kind of man that you want him to be. He will not be able to do what you want him to do. Doesn't say that your expectations were unrealistic or unreasonable. But some dads, because of their own brokenness and being parented by broken dads themselves, simply have no capacity. I cannot remember one time that my dad told me that he loved me or that he was proud of me. I knew it, but I never heard it. Why? He was simply unable to say those things, given who he was raised by and the environment within which he was raised. I get it. So can I just let him off the hook? and not make him responsible for who I am now. One of the biggest blessings that you can give your fathers is to release them from responsibility for your adult self. It might be through forgiveness. It might be just a mind shift, letting them off the hook, at least in your own thinking and acting. You don't have to tell them that you forgive them. They may not be aware that they did anything needing forgiveness. Forgiveness is not about correcting their behavior. Correcting, it's about releasing you from control. 
So forgiveness releases your dad to be an adult without reference to you. And then the biggest blessing you can give to your father is to be yourself. Without belligerence, without definition by negation, my dad was this, so I'm going to be that. Please notice that your dad is still controlling who you are. It's rather, I release that person to God and his blessing and his goodness, and now I am fully responsible before Jesus for who I am. That is what it means ultimately to honor your father and mother, to become yourself, and then release them with love and pride in their own lives. We hear how important it is for children to hear from their fathers that they are proud of them and that they love them. Can I just say to you as a dad, it is as important at least for a dad to hear from his adult sons and daughters, Dad, I love you, and I'm proud of you. A lot of stuff you screwed up, a lot of things you got wrong, but at the end of the day, holy cow, I am who I am in no small measure because you are who you are. Maybe because of generational stoicism or their own special brand of crazy, they couldn't say those things to you and still can't. Your dad's way of loving you is to work 45, 50, 60 hours a week and not be there. Can I just say, he's doing the best he can do. Say thank you. By the way, that pride and that love without performance might release him into a softness. You'll see it when grandkids show up. Grandparents are different animals than parents entirely. I don't know what happens to them. So here's where we're going to go. Just a couple of minutes on this, then we're going to go to move into baptisms really, really quickly. Um, I'm going to ask, can I ask the dads to stand, please? If you're a father here this morning, would you mind just standing real quickly? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Now, you, uh, you may have the privilege of standing here or being with your own dad. Great. If you're not, that's okay. Can you use these dads as a representative of your dad? And if you're standing near somebody or sitting near somebody, would you mind just standing? And you could lay your hand on them. You could, uh, you could, you could extend your hand towards them, whatever would be helpful for you. If you need to move to do this, what we're going to use here is uh, the blessing uh, that Aaron was taught by God for the children of Israel. And I'm going to repeat the phrases, and I'm just going to ask you, in Jesus' name, to repeat these words over these good men. Are you ready? May the Lord bless you and keep you. Say that with me. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you shalom. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.
Now, dads, can you turn? And I want you to bless all of these children of other men and women. Because some of you are here with sons and daughters, and you have never, as sons and daughters, you've never heard the blessing of your father. And your father is not capable of blessing you in the way that you need to be blessed. Or maybe he is, and he would give everything in his power to be here, but he's not. So I'm going to ask dads to you to stand in. And I want you to say these words of blessing over our congregation. Again, you ready? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now if you could just extend your hands. I would like to, on behalf of our Heavenly Father, bless you. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. I am pleased with you. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.